And welcome to God Stories Radio, Session 10. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. I'm just excited. I'm always excited. I always say that. We've been waiting for another week. For uh, We have another woman that's going to be giving her testimony. And um, like I said before, I don't want it to be just about, you know, people started to think it was just about for men, and it's not. I want to try and help anybody and everybody that God directs this way. i I got to come up with a new term because I always say that I'm excited every time that I that I do that intro. I'm always excited. I stay that way. But uh, I'm going to tell you the reason why I'm excited is because this is session number 10, our first double-digit session. Absolutely. And it may not mean a lot to to a lot of people, but it means a lot to us. It does. um, And not only that, we uh, hit 500 downloads yesterday. Right. I'm still looking to get 500 downloads in one month. Exactly. I think after this session tonight. Yes. We could hit that so. mark. I believe so. I also notice we have uh, a lot of activity that's going on overseas mm-hmm. right now with Philippines, the, uh, Africa, Japan, Japan, yeah, China. China. It's just amazing. I mean, we we set out on this thing to do what God called us to do with really nothing to gain except to just reach and people Help. and comfort people, and mm-hmm. and it's just neat to see God just blow it up. It is. I never would have thought. Amazing. And my prayers have been for five, for years, uh, as I walk and talk with him, uh, reading Joel's book. To, and I, when I read that book, I felt God telling me to reach high. And so my prayers went from to to basically around the world, and this is what it's doing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That'll teach us to put God in a box, won't it? Yeah. Uh, we have I a special guest in the kitchen tonight, Mike. Uh, yes, we, we do. We have uh, Jessica in the kitchen tonight. And she's going to uh, be giving her uh, testimony on where God has uh, taken her, or actually from, to where she is today. And um, I'm excited about it. Hi, Jessica. Welcome. Welcome Hi, to Fritz. the kitchen. Thank you. We are excited to have you. Thanks I'm for coming on. excited to be here. <laughs> I know. I told my sister, you've got to come on and give your testimony. And she sent me back an email that says, do I have to get a sex change before I come on your show? <laughs> and I went, No. We're going to have three women in three weeks, so uh, she's getting ready. She's okay. getting prepared to come on. So, Jessica, feel free to take it away. We're excited to hear your testimony. Um, thank you very much, Fritz. My name is Jessica. I am 40 years old and a proud mom of five beautiful babies. But um, I guess I just want to share where God has brought me to and the brokenness he has brought me through. I'll start with my childhood. It was a basic childhood. You know, I have my mom and my dad, and they're still married. I have a sister and brother younger than me, so I'm the oldest. Um, I grew up Lutheran. I didn't have a relationship with God. I had a religion. And back then, I always thought I was a Christian. You know, I I believed God, and, and Jesus died for my sins, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, we called him, was just this entity I didn't really have a connection to. At 17, I joined the military. I joined the Air Force. I was one of those that had to know where she was going in life and was very unsure, you know, where to go to college or we couldn't afford to send me away. So I was not going to stay home. I was going to go. It was pretty gutsy, I guess, on my part. I don't know. I'm so jealous. I wanted to go in the Air Force so bad. (laughs) I wanted to be a pilot. I had hard problems as a small child, so I couldn't. Uh go. <laughs> oh, jeez. 17. Wow. Well, I did the delayed entry, so I signed oh, up. okay. But 
at 18. I had my last senior year, I had my senior year um, the last summer and then I, I left. It was the best thing I did. I mean, it was security away from home. I was fed, clothed and had right. a job and they paid, they paid to teach me, exactly. which was pretty sweet. While I was in the military, I went in very naive, to be honest with you. I grew up, I don't want to say in a bubble, but I just wasn't really prepared for a big, mean world and a lot of manipulation, and I was naive, like I said. Part of my early forms of brokenness, I guess you could say, was desiring just to feel loved, and that came through relationships, you know, and it just seemed to be one broken relationship after another and I so wanted to just feel that love and acceptance from people especially a man because to me that was the ultimate love you know to sure. have that connection and share mm -hmm. it so strongly mm -hmm. with somebody not not good because each encounter left you a little bit more broken I was 19 and I was a student up at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and I was friends with a man um he was 35 so to me i was a child in this man's eyes i shouldn't have been anything more than an immature child uh, i looked at him as my big brother my big protector and i was in a situation and he raped me that moment of not being in control was one of the worst darkest moments of my life and I vowed from that moment on, no man will ever control me. That brokenness led to severe depression and suicidal thoughts. What made it more challenging for me, I suppose, is the fact that in the military, if I admitted to those things, then I would have to be sent to a place for crazy people probably given some sort of medication and that was not an option and going home is not an option. So I stuffed more than I healed. I did do some, some counseling, but what they kept telling me is you're suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. There's really not a whole lot we can do with that. We can give you Prozac and Zoloft. And this was a time frame when taking those medications gave you the implication of being crazy. Oh mentally unstable yeah you need those things for me that wasn't an option <laughs> I was more worried about the stigma of something helping ease the symptoms than I actually was coping with the rape um, I was transferred from that base to my permanent base at Maxwell that's uh, in Alabama it was very challenging for me there too because the man that raped me was black I never had an issue, but that that moment of brokenness skewed something in me, and all of a sudden it became them as a race rather than taking that individual on his own merit and what he had done. I had made it as, a, I guess, a defense tactic, a coping method, that it was just a blanket, and there was this really awful, I want to say hatred. Sure. For, for, yeah. for black men. Understandable. So um, you just kind of labeled the yeah. entire race, so to speak. Right. And it, it was wrong. I, I know that. But in the time of brokenness, you, you really don't think quite rationally. No, you 
Oh, no. You, you really don't. Absolutely not. Not at Especially all. Especially when you don't have Jesus. Yes. I got to that next space, and it was like, ah, oh, it's great. You know, I'm, I'm away from that. And the thing is, when you don't deal with something, it comes back. You may not feel it right away, but when the next major stressor happens, all of a sudden everything seems to be out of whack and that's what was going on. And then the depressions would come again. And then I'd go back into counseling and it would be the same thing. Well, this is post-traumatic stress disorder. We can give you this medication. And it's like, all right. And I just tried to cope. And in coping, I went from one relationship to the next to, to ease the brokenness in me, not realizing I was only creating more brokenness. I met my husband at the time at that base. Uh, very quick. Um, we hit it off as friends. We were engaged in less than a year. I mean, I was met, engaged, and married him in less than a year. And I carried all my brokenness into that marriage. And what I've learned is two broken people don't make a whole. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know that. It's called baggage. Right. Yep. A lot of turmoil in turmoil in that marriage. I did a lot of damage through selfishness. I had this emotion called rage that I had never had before, and anything would set it off. I, I, it was so hard to control something, and it was so violent. It was so angry. It was so broken, and it was so bitter. And we would just get into these horrid arguments. And um, for me, because I'm petite, I couldn't fight physically somebody bigger, but I learned to fight with my mouth. And the tongue can be a very deadly weapon. Um, That's what James says. Mm -hmm. That's what James says, I was going to say. <laughs> when you feel backed into a corner, I would go for the jugular, and I would do it with my words. We tried. It's, it's, it was just a very broken relationship. I loved him very, very much. Um, we had our first baby. I was pretty young. I think she was about, I was about 26. And I was good. It was the best year, that pregnancy with, with my husband. Uh, after she was born, I did pretty good. I really wasn't down with being a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to get right back out in the work field because that's where I felt esteemed. That's where I felt good about myself, affirmed, because I was good at my job. I was a lab tech, so... That's where I got my affirmation, like I said. He wanted me to stay home with the baby. Little tug of war there. My mom enters the picture. They win. I lose. I stay home and raise a baby. Um, about nine months after Madison was born, I went through postpartum depression. So mm. depression comes back in. My husband really didn't know how to deal with it and was probably tired of dealing with it at that point. And we were screaming divorce at each other and it was done and that level of just hopelessness will bring you to places that you'll never imagine yourself going and um, a friend of mine uh, an, another male friend he was actually friends with both of us the families were close friends reached out to me to be that support to be that friend and we became closer friends, and then it got confusing, and I had an affair with this man. I figured my marriage is over. 
I was, I was tanking hard emotionally. I remember catching myself in the mirror one day and going, God, what have I become? What have I become? I can't keep doing this. So I broke that off and was just going to go ahead and go with the divorce that we were threatening with each other. My husband came home and said he had been praying and God told him he needed to work things out with me. And I froze because I knew that God knew what I had done. Mm -hmm. My husband didn't, but God knew. And I thought, wow, you're okay. Um, how do I, do I tell him God? I can't, I can't, I can't tell him about this. I, I cannot do that. So I didn't. And I carried that lie for so many years. And the thing is, I tried so hard in my own strength to be a better wife and a better woman and a better mom. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. It would become too tiring. It would become too stressful. I was pregnant with my second daughter when we moved. Actually, I'd had her. We moved to New Jersey. She was a baby. And my oldest daughter was a toddler. And we moved back to New Jersey, where I'm from. We were there probably about two years. It was, wasn't terrible. I mean, that was actually, I think, one of the peaceful times in my marriage. I was around family and, and had to deal with the dynamics of that. Then we decided we were going to move to Florida, and he was going to start a business with his uh, best friend, and he did, and it was very successful and is still successful. I remember when he told me we were moving, that moment of panic because I would no longer have that safety of my family right there. When the truth came out, they wouldn't be there. I wouldn't right. have that support group. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was nervous, you know, but I sure. said, God, my place is with my husband. You made that clear. So I went. I said, I'm just going to have to trust you in it. Now, under, um, by no means was did I have a real relationship with God. I mean, these were kind of just like last resort prayers, I guess you mm -hmm. could say, sure. you know, as, as he was trying to, to mm -hmm. slowly work in me. Uh, we moved down here. We lived in Lakeland for a year, and then we had moved to Claremont um, back in, I think, 04. No, nope, I take that back, 05. In that time frame... I moved down here from New Jersey, pregnant with my third child. My son had him not soon after I was pregnant with my fourth child. Because my husband and his friend were building a business, it meant many, many hours away. And that was a heavy burden on somebody. And I had so many little kids and being pregnant and not having any family and the dynamics. It w we were just falling apart. You know, we would scream over dollar 99 toothbrushes and stuff like that because it was just so much stress i remember him coming home and asking me because he was angry that i didn't come up to see the sign being hung on the building i just couldn't do it i was just like i'm done i'm so tired of this i just want to go home i just want to just go home and have help and i know he's trying to build this business and all these conflicting emotions and he came home and he was so angry that I was being quite selfish that night and didn't come up. And he asked me if I ever lied about anything. And I knew the moment that I decided not to tell him all those years ago 
about the affair that it would come out and that he needed to know. I wasn't happy with the time frame, but I just knew as God was slowly beginning to work in me that he needed to know. And I remember my reply was, some things are better off left unsaid. That opened up a can of worms. I'm sure it did. Yeah. And he said, I want to know, because he always felt within our marriage a wall. There was always a boundary. He could never get past with me, and he hated that. And really, it just stemmed from being raped and have that moment of absolute helplessness and not being in control and somebody just taking what is not rightfully theirs. I mean, they just, he just did that. He just took from me something that I did not freely give. Many years. Yeah. Took from you. Yeah. And it was only in a matter of seconds. I mean, yeah. it was so fast, but the damage had been done. And my thought was back then, I will never let anybody get that close to me because I could only imagine if I gave somebody my full heart and every access to me, the damage that they could possibly do. That would destroy me beyond the rape. That, that could really, like I said, destroy me. And he always felt the barrier. He always pushed, you know, why is this wall here? And I just... He sensed there may have been an affair. He wanted to know, and I just, no, no, no. I wasn't sure about his faithfulness to me. There was always doubts. And that night I I just started crying and said I had an affair. And I just broke down in the middle of my kitchen floor crying, thinking, oh, God, please, please don't let him hit me. Not that he was abusive in that way, but... In my mind, I deserved that, that, you know, I deserved to be hit for what I had done. And I just went through every scenario because I carried all this guilt and shame, but I, I masked it for a while. But now it was to the surface. You, it was there, and now it's out, and it's exposed, and how do you handle that? But he didn't. He came over, and he just held me. And I just cried, and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then I had such relief because he didn't start screaming at me and he didn't hit me. He just held me while I broke. The next day, however, my words, I think, sunk in. And he realized what I had done and then the anger hit. I think maybe it was shock for him or just seeing me break, I, I don't know, and knowing that there was total vulnerability for the first time. And that's when it got really bad. The fighting was pretty bad, then the name calling. And I just know it came from somebody that was really hurt in the betrayal of it. I understand that. But I didn't deserve to be called the things I was called over and over again for years. And I figured, you know what? It's done. I said it. Now he's going to leave, and I deserve that. That's really ultimately what I deserve. I don't deserve to be married to this man after what I've done. He said that um, he was going to stay in the marriage. We were never to discuss it, and no, we were not going to get therapy for it. It was like it was that thing that had to be brushed under the carpet. 
But anything that we fought over or about afterwards, that was the trump card. Mm -hmm. That's what came out to yeah. neutralize that was Jessica. The ace in the hole. Right. Yep. That was the wrong thing to do. Sweep it. Yep. And if we confronted it head on, we both would have gotten a tremendous amount of healing. I'd already had my fourth child by this time. We were still, I felt like I was walking on eggshells all the time. <laughs> you know, like waiting for that shoe to fall and what's going to happen now. Is he going to leave? Is he going to stay? Am I going to hear what a horrible person I am? And then the enemy would just keep pouring into me, the condemnation. Over and over I would hear these lies. And he used my husband at the time to really mentally wipe me out as you can imagine because of the depression I suffered pretty much my entire life that would come and cycle back through I got to the point my fourth child my daughter was I think she was under a year and I remember I just gotten off the phone with him and he was just saying some really horrible things and I walked over to my kitchen sink and my, all my kids were in there, in the house, you know, in the living room. I opened the cabinet and I took out the aspirin and I poured it, you know, palmed it, started trying to shove as many pills down my throat as I could. And as I was trying to force them down, there was a presence and I felt it pushing my hand away. I was literally in a battle to get them down my throat. I got what I thought was, you know, I don't know. I got what I tried. I got as much as I could down. And I threw my hands in the air and I said, God, if I live, I live. If I die, I die. I can't do this anymore. And I heard very clearly and very loudly not about you and your husband but you need to be there for those kids and I said well God problem is I just took this and I know how it works you go to the ER they're gonna pump my stomach they're gonna you know then then it's all gonna come out this is gonna be like out in the open and fear gripped me and I didn't know what to do and back in the day, they used to tell us, and I'm sure you know this, always carry the Ipecat, you know. If right. your children swallow something, this will make them vomit it. Never carried it, never had it. One day, randomly threw it in my basket because I happened to see it as I was walking down the, the aisle. Took that, started vomiting it up. He came home, just looked at me in disgust. I don't even think we had any words at that point. I did not tell him what I had done. I hid that too. I had a lot of fear. Two weeks, I was still throwing up. Because I worked in a lab, I could check my levels, and I knew my liver, my liver enzymes were a little messed up from the amount of aspirin, but nothing fatal, nothing. But I kept throwing up. And that's when I did a pregnancy test. And I was pregnant with my fifth child. And it, the realization hit me. In that moment of weakness, in that moment of despair, I was willing to take my life, but I would have taken my unborn child's life too. Mm -hmm. But God is so good because yes, even he then, he was intervening in my life. And I had like little moments of that 
where I saw, and it was amazing. They are amazing, aren't they? But because of my guilt and shame, I wouldn't reach out because I was so dirty. And how could he love me if I'm this dirty? And the devil had you convinced of that, too, because mm-hmm. condemnation's his, his best weapon. It's all he's got. Oh, yeah. He had me really believing that, that I wasn't worth anything. And then using my husband to hammer that thought home over and over again was not helping the situation. In November 2007, my husband left. He wanted a divorce. That shattered my world. I really wasn't sure how to cope with that. It was the ultimate rejection on top of all the others that I had felt over the years. Mm -hmm. And then this was the point of just brokenness for me. The fighting was bad. As I said, we'd argue and it would just be the screaming matches and throw out the trump card. I got tired of being called names. I would lash out, then I started to lash out physically at him because I just was tired. It was like being a kick dog over and over again and then finally it bites, you know. And depression eventually turns to anger. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Break out of that shell and then Mm -hmm. come out swinging. Yeah, exactly. I remember hitting my knees in my bedroom, sobbing, going, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. Help me. And he spoke the word believe. That was the very first word I heard. Believe. And I got up and I said, okay. I don't know what that means. I I don't know. Believe in you. Believe in me. believe, Believe what? And as the brokenness continued to mount, and I realized now looking back, I was actually coming to the end of myself to where I realized there was one of two ways this was going to go. Either I was going to call out to him or I was going to end up dying. He kept leading me. The next thing he led me to, and I didn't read the Bible, we started going to church at Mosaic and that's where the word became alive to me. The way Renaud preaches it and he, he just, he made me understand how it applies now. But I never opened the Bible, I I mean, in between church services. I mean, I would go and I'd look forward to the next one and be like, okay, what am I going to learn? But I never really delved into God or his word. But God was so good. He gave me Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. And we had a lady that came to Mosaic from real life. And they used to do the Celebrate Recovery program. They were like leaders of it. We know it well. Yeah, very yes. familiar with it. <laughs> and it's based on both graduates. The Beatitudes. So that led me over to celebrate recovery. And I started going to their um, large group and then their small group. Mm-hmm. I was in counseling. We tried marriage counseling through Wellspring. And then it turned into individual counseling because I needed to work on some things, but I was unwilling to relinquish my marriage. In my mind, I had to heal that first and then me second. I had to get this right and then me. And everybody kept telling me, no, you're doing it backwards. You're doing, no, no, I'm a wife first, I'm a wife first. And I, and I had this mindset and it was just locked. 
and it wouldn't wouldn't sway i couldn't sway it i was in counseling with the counselors at mosaic i was in counseling with wellspring and i was at celebrate recovery and i was at church a couple days a week so in those moments it was i could cope i really could cope in those moments it's like okay victory and then I'd walk out the door and I might be good for an hour or two and then life would smack me again and I couldn't cope. And I was end up crying or angry and that's all my kids saw, just brokenness. At the time, my youngest was about two. I had been steadily crying out to God to do something. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take, we're working on it, we're not working on it, we're working on it, we're not. It was making me crazy. And I remember sinking to my knees in my bedroom, screaming, I want out, God. I want out. I don't want this marriage. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't. I cannot do this. I can't do it anymore. It hurts. I want out. Screaming for him to release me. And he just told me to wait. Okay, I'll wait words well (laughs) (laughs) you do (laughs) going back to my youngest son who's very busy he's like 10 kids in one I came home one afternoon and God used this moment to bring me to my knees in such submission that it propelled me into a direction of ultimate healing I picked up my kids from school. We got home. They all pile out. My youngest gets on his little John Deere tractor. He had gotten away from me a couple times, but this time I didn't see it coming. The kids were all playing out front, and I said, just, you know, y'all keep an eye on each other, and I'm going to go in and start dinner, and I wasn't in there very long, and I come out, and he's gone, and everybody else is there, and he had quietly gotten on it and driven. Went about his business. Yeah, he did. He was like that. He's a little bugger, but I love him. He got onto uh, Monte Vista, which is a very busy road. Yes, it is. I remember standing at the foot of my driveway as we all, like, I sent the kids out in every direction to find him. But then I knew. I knew where he was, and I knew where I was and where he was. There was no way for me to make up the difference. And it's like time stood still for that moment. And I just waited to hear the squeal of tires and know that he just got hit. I just knew that's where he was. There was no way I'd get there in time. And I just said, God. And then it hit me. (gasps) I'll get in my car. I'll drive. I'll be faster than running. I didn't even back out of the driveway when a cop car had pulled up with my son in the back seat, bouncing around. A neighbor had seen him and had called the cops. He was almost hit by a school bus. Oh, well, that road is a small road, and I know it I, is. I drive it, and it's 55 miles an hour on a small road like that, and I mm-hmm. can't see that, but it is. And the yep. school buses are, actually, I was driving that road, and school, school buses was pushing me. Yes. Down <laughs> I cried for, for three hours straight, and I had talked to my counselor at Mosaic earlier about getting help for the brokenness and the anger and not really sure where to go. Where do you go? I mean, I was doing okay in these 
celebrate recovery in the counseling sessions, but when life would hit, I just couldn't function in it. And he told me about a program called Teen Challenge. And I remember kind of tilting my head to the side and kind of grinning going, teen, T-E-N, T-E-E-N. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to hang out with a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> it may look young, but really, no. And he just said, Jessica, go look it up on the internet. And I did. I looked it up and it says it's a discipleship program. And I'm like, that sounds like school. I don't need school. I need, I need um, a hospital setting and we have group and, and I come out and we talk and then I go back to my room. I mean, that's in my mind what I thought I needed just being in the medical field, you know, and leave it to God to say, no, I know best. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, I called that night after all that happened. Um, I got a hold of them in Fort Myers, explained my situation of suffering depression and suicide, and I was on an antidepressant at that time, and they said, well, we don't take people that are on medication you have to call the Women's Center up in Georgia. I said, okay, and I got that number, and I called, and Connie answered, and I asked what her story was so I could kind of have a feel of why, well, why are you here? And she shared with me, and then um, I said, well, this is my situation. I've been suffering from depression for years, and I'm just broken, and I want to heal. My son was almost killed today, and it's because my mind is so wrapped up in saving my marriage and just trying to cope and get through each day that I didn't see it coming, and I should have been more aware, and I, I probably was a lot more harder on myself. I mean, kids do things, and it's within a split second, and it doesn't mean you're negligent, but I felt I was, and I believed I was. Leave it to the enemy. <laughs> Somebody called DCF on me, and I had them coming, and the threat, you know, that I was negligent with my children. And yeah, I knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say thank goodness this time for the nosy neighbor, but. Right. And the amazing thing is normally, I mean, I had already made up my mind about Teen Challenge. My counselor and I and my husband talked about going, and he supported it. My husband fully oh, backed right. my going. Yeah, he thought it was a good thing. He said, you know, he wanted to see me get healing. He supported me heavily in it. And when this man from DCF, I mean, he rang my doorbell at 10 o'clock at night. And I was expecting it to be my husband to get the kids. Some of them wanted to go stay with him that night. And we had had a good you know, relationship during the separation. So it was DCF. And I called my husband. I said, um, they're here. And I can tell you this. I had such peace, a peace that I couldn't explain to anybody because coming from worry and fear and everything, all of a sudden I had this just overwhelming peace and this man did not scare me and I knew where I was headed. Um, I had talked with the director of the the program and they said, you know, come on. They were ready to take me that weekend. I'm like, no, I got to get some things in order. DCF came, they, they interviewed, they said they'd be back and I don't, you know, honestly, I don't even remember most of it. I just remember having peace and my husband was freaking out, but I had peace, which was never... Never how I was always the fearful one. <laughs> he was always my rock, and that was a lot of my problem. He was my rock. February 15th, it was a Sunday night. I was baptized at Mosaic. Amen. I yeah. dedicated Fantastic. my life to the Lord. I became a born-again Christian. 
February 16th. We got up that morning. I kissed my kids goodbye. And we made the six-hour trip to Georgia. That was a very hard decision for me. But the alternative was, and I was tired. I mean, what it really came down to, I was so tired of just counseling session for one hour one day a week or two days a week or three days a week it's like I need real healing and I could drag this out for the next 30 years of my life or I can go and just focus on me something I had never done and I made the choice to go with the support of of my husband at the time like I said my kids were young I didn't realize the impact it would have on them my leaving especially my oldest daughter but I went and I did it anyway. I know my husband was, it was hard for him. It was hard for him to leave me there knowing this is, this is for real. This isn't, we're just talking about it. This is, she's going to be gone. And now he was going to have to pick up all the slack for both of us and still run a business. Gone for how long? The program is 12 to 15 months. Wow. Yep. That would be uh, disheartening for sure. Yes. Yeah, and know. a lot of people didn't think I'd make it, honestly. I mean, the, the bets were, oh, she'll go maybe a month or two and come back. She she won't be able to do it. When I got there, it was very intimidating and scary. But I felt God's hand on me for two solid weeks. Two, so, I mean, I literally could feel his hand upon me. And I had such peace. And I was just getting used to... I guess my environment, we lived in a church. I'm a big cat lover. He made sure there were two cats on the premises. They were all women, so I couldn't get into any trouble. I remember when I felt the lift and him say, now it's time to get to work. It was the most amazing thing I ever did. It was the hardest thing I ever did. I met women from all different walks of life, just as broken, if not more than me. And one of the most beautiful things about Teen Challenge, usually when you meet people, you meet them at their best. However, we met at our worst moments. Mm-hmm. Our most broken, pathetic, heart-wrenching moments and learn to love one another in that moment and to spurn each other on. It was 24-7 Jesus. 24-7 Jesus. I mean, I was literally soaking in God every day and I can tell you this he constantly poured his love out on me he constantly reassured me how much I meant to him how much he loved me because my biggest thing my whole life was feeling unlovable Mm -hmm. like there was just striving to fill that gap that was in my heart that I didn't realize was a God-shaped gap Mm -hmm. I just tried to fill it with a husband and children and work and friendships and oh the affair I mean maybe that no nothing nothing filled it I spent 11 months there it was intense healing intense healing and I remember in the beginning he would just pour so much into me he actually did through the whole program I can't say it was just the beginning but it was my opening to receive it that started to happen, walking it out a little bit more each day with trust. Surrendering. And yeah. And and like an expectation. We visited so many churches and we gave our testimonies and 
every church we went to, I mean, we were almost at church every day of the week. I'd go in there bold. God, what do you have for me? Because each message spoke just to me. And just the awe, I mean, he really showed us who he is and how much he loves us. And that was what was so amazing to me that he cared that much. I was still praying for the restoration of my marriage. I wanted it more than anything. Every church I went to, they would do an altar call because it was primarily assemblies of God that we, we were associated with. Right. And they did altar calls and I would go up there sobbing, broken, begging God, heal my marriage, heal me, heal him, heal my marriage. That's all I wanted. That's all I stood for. That's all I fought for. And he started to bring it around. And we agreed to reconcile while I was up there. And it was amazing. I, and I was very excited about that. A little maybe too excited. I sometimes run ahead of God and it hurts. <laughs> it hurts when you hit the wall. <laughs> you think you know where he's leading. And then wham. <laughs> and it's a little painful. Exactly. I was just getting a vision while you were sharing of, of kind of when you were talking about how God knew that you were going to need this intense healing because you were stacking depression, mm-hmm. pain, depression again, mm-hmm. hurt, depression again. Mm-hmm. And you were just stacking that stuff within. I mean, you one or two hours even a day or an hour here and an mm-hmm. hour there would have never got you there. No. You were going to need what you right. said, Jesus, 24-7. Right. It was the only way it was going to push it to the top. It comes out, and then you're clean. You know, you really as, are truly clean. Say, he does the squeeze. He does the squeeze till he gets you, it all. Until he gets it all. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we started to reconcile, as um, I had mentioned earlier, and it was wonderful. And I thought I had it all figured out. I mean, even to where he was leading us to a program called the National Institute of Marriage. And while I was reading a book that my counselor felt the Holy Spirit led her to give me our friends back here happened to know the president of that i don't know what you would deem it but the marriage institute and he took a personal interest in our marriage and tried to reach out and it was rebuffed many times and then an actual man that went through it in rome georgia because they hold it there quarterly almost parallel stories married young lots of kids his wife was going through depression and and had an affair he found out when he was up at the institute and how god just miraculously restored it that was going to be my story you know i mean i wanted it there i was not going to take no for an answer i pushed hard i really really wanted it when my husband came up to talk and we were in counseling up there. He'd come up on the weekend um, once a month for family day, and we would have our sessions with my counselor, Miss Martha. And it started to reconcile, and, you know, we were talking about this National Institute of Marriage, and he, and I'm saying, you know, I found, you know, she gave me this book, and, hey, we should try this. And he says, oh, I've heard of that, and then started to share what God was doing down here. And, I mean, it was obvious to me that God was leading us this direction. One of the downsides of, well, I guess my role in the marriage was unrealistic expectations that I would put on him. 
And I didn't realize until much later that I stacked my stuff on him. And you have to carry this and you have to fix me. And what I had ultimately done was made him my idol, even though I didn't bow down and worship him. Actually, I was quite the opposite. But he became everything in an unhealthy way. And that's a lot of pressure for somebody to carry too. So I piled all that on him and he couldn't cope with that. Uh, the business was getting ready to move around the same time frame as this seminar. It was a five-day intensive, and I got angry because I felt, at what point am I going to be the priority in this? It's always work. It's always this. It's always that. But when is this marriage going to take priority? It needs to if it's going to live. And we went into the same cycle. He'd pull away. I'd lash out. And... What was really, looking back, God prepared me for it. He gave me a word. And I, I didn't understand until I went back. I heard the words, but I neglected the manner in which it was delivered. The intensity in which it was delivered. I was getting prayer one night, praying for the restoration. Uh, at Courts of Praise, we went, to go, we went there every Monday night. Miss Celeste was praying over me. Same prayers, pray for restoration, pray for restoration. Then she got, she got a word and she said, greater things are in store for you. Hear the words of my promise. Hear the words of my promise. And it was so powerful. And I thought, oh, okay. Looking back, the intensity in which she delivered it, it was more of something's coming, but I need you to hold on. I really need you to hold on. And we started to really reconcile, right? You know, I got that word and then it like really connected with my husband and it was like, yeah, here we are and we're going and this is awesome. And in May, we're reconciling. He's committed to the restoration of our marriage. In June, I get the word. In July, it all fell apart. It literally unraveled before my eyes and I couldn't understand why. And I remember praying as I walked away brokenhearted as he drove off with the kids. They'd come up to visit, and we were just totally estranged at that point. I mean, there was just tension and disconnect, and I'm hurting, he's hurting. And I'm walking into the church. God, I don't understand. And he said to me, you don't know what commitment is. Neither of you do. You base it on each other's actions and not on my word. And that brought me up pretty short. Because I know it, one, it didn't come from me, and two, it was very accurate. When I, when I reflected on all those years of brokenness, we were only as committed as the other person was kind, you know? When it got bad, it was like, I'm out of here. And that was, our instinct was to run. That was very hard to hear, very humbling to hear. And what I realized, that first part of my program, I didn't delve into, into the deep, deep inner healing. It, to me... It was just, okay, let's just get me healed enough to get this marriage back on track and I can come home and I can be a mom. And when it fell apart, that's when I said, okay, God, just whatever you have to do, whatever you have to do. And each layer he removed. And it was, it was hard mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. in a sick way, there was comfort in that pain. Mm -hmm. It's what I knew. It's what I was enclosed in. Been there. Mm-hmm. 
you know I and it was say, just i was even saying i'm even afraid to say this god are you sadistic yeah those words were coming to my mind all i can say right now is you made the the wrong person your rock yeah i did so as the layers came off and i was still at every altar Every day of the week that we were at a church and I had an altar call, I was still on my knees, sobbing in brokenness. Heal my marriage, heal my marriage, heal me, heal my marriage. Because I wanted that, wow, look what God can do story. And I wrote the story. God has plans. Jessica had her own, decided he needed some tips on, on how to direct this. And oh, yeah. Went to right, God, will you I've remove the huge monkey yeah. of failure off my back so that I'm not publicly scorned, you know, for for my marriage going all right? A little bit of humility here and there. Oh, yeah, definitely. In September, one week before our anniversary, my husband came up to Teen Challenge and said he wanted a divorce and felt that I needed to know in person that I deserved that respect. I remember him saying that. Prior to him coming that weekend, we'd had three days of prayer and fasting. So I set myself apart and I fasted and I prayed that whatever happened in that room would be God's doing and not my own. And I remember getting the phone call, he's here, coming up the stairs, walking down that hallway, praying, God, whatever happens, just let it be you in there. And before I even got in the room, I had a vision of me sitting in the chair that I always sat in when we counseled and Jesus coming in and sitting like on top of me and in me. He just, he just came in, said what he had said and um, said that he wanted a divorce. And we were to look at the council. We weren't, we weren't even allowed to talk to each other because it was just, had been so tense on the phone before. I remember turning to him. I asked Miss Martha first, can I please direct, talk to him directly? And I didn't even know it was going to happen. I really didn't. But I took his hands in my hands, and I looked him in the eyes, and he thought I was going to pray. And I just started repenting for all of it. Everything I had done to hurt this man, the way I treated him, the callousness, the disregarding of his feelings, the affair, all of it, everything, it, it just started coming. Mm -hmm. And I sat back and I saw him, he was, I mean, he was touched, he was crying. And I, I, I just was stunned that this so eloquently flowed. But it came from my heart, mm -hmm. you know? I think God brought me to that place. Mm -hmm. And then I just watched a shadow fall and he just said, I can't trust the spoken word. I can't trust your words anymore. I can't do this. And I was heartbroken, but I kept saying, you know what? I'm just believing God in this. I'm just believing God. God can do all things. I know I'm watching what he's doing in me, and he can do it in anybody, not just me. He can do it in anybody. And ha once you experience what he can do in you, you can see it in others. You can say, oh. I know you're here, but guess what? When Jesus gets a hold of you, you'll never be the same, ever. And you have this excitement 
because you know what he's done in you. You're the proof. You're the best over yourself, you know? You just know what he can do. Also, that September, God showed tremendous favor on me. He allowed me to go to a retreat. It was called Trace Dias. And I was only seven months in the program, and that really wasn't allowed for students of just being in, you had to be near completion or internship. Two girls were set to go, uh, and one of them said she just didn't feel called to go to this one. And they put me in that place. And I remember sitting in one of our group classes, and I just kept saying, I'm so tired. I just felt so weary. And like I had just, you know, gotten hit after hit waves, you know, I'm standing for this and I'm, I'm trying to heal through that. And God, what what's going on? Why is this failing? Why, why? And I was called into the office and they said, you were selected to go on this retreat. And I was like, wow. Who selected you? It was pretty much the upper management of Teen Challenge, Miss Martha, Miss Marty, and just where God had, Absolutely. where God had decided, God he did. Had decided that's and they had to, were. they told me later how hard it was to get me. I mean, there, there was definitely a block that the enemy did not want me to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And I went and it was, the theme of it was come to me, all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And I just started crying hearing those words. And I will tell you at that place, I mean, God had been loving on me. When I came here, it was so intimate with him. I mean, he really took me to a place of such intimacy. And he kept saying that I was precious to him. And I remember sitting there and we were taking notes that one Saturday and it was my anniversary. It would have been 11 years then. And I said, God, it's my anniversary today. And I was sad because in my mind, we would have been at that marriage seminar and we would have been putting it back together and it would have come on on our you know anniversary month and I had it all played out in my mind how this was supposed to go and now I'm sitting in a retreat for women going God I don't know what went wrong and he whispered to me it's okay because you're going to spend today with me (laughs) and he just kept pouring his love into me I came back on a pass that December, because I was to complete in February, so it was my first past home. God had always warned me prior to something coming. And I was at church, and Pastor Mike was praying, and he says, I got a word for you. And he gave me his vision. He said he saw a jar, and the lid was so tight on this jar, and there's so much emotion surrounding this jar. And God says he's getting ready to take the lid off. Are you ready? Do you want it off? And I said, yes. I drove home expecting my kids to be there. And, and, you know, we were going to celebrate their birthdays. I mean, even though we were talking about a divorce, I really didn't believe that there was going to be this divorce. My house was trashed on the inside, just wasn't upkept. 
it was pretty on the outside, which kind of looked like, I guess, my marriage in one way, you know? It's, everything's all nice on the outside, but inside everything's decayed and uh, the appearance of, so nobody sees. I uh, took my kids out to eat. There was no food in the house. I mean, it was just un, un, very unprepared, I guess. I mean, when you live in a bubble for those nine months and then you go out into the real world, it's a little overwhelming. And you're trying to figure it out and not have a cell phone and just, you know, I mean, what did we do without cell phones? I don't know. We're at dinner and my second oldest daughter told me about her dad's girlfriend. And they were living together. And I didn't know. It all made sense after that. The push for the divorce. And I mean, he had moved on. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't prepared for that at all. And the, the funny thing is the other women up there kept telling me, he's met somebody else. He's with somebody else. I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We've been through this. We went, no, there's no way, no way. He would never, no. And sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, I had to find a lawyer. There's scrambling for all this. And I remember them telling me here, the, my counselor back here at the church said, you need to stay. You don't need to go back. You've had enough healing. You don't need to go back. Stay and, and you need to figure this out. You know, this is getting serious now. You I mean, the kids and there's the divorce, all of it. And I said, no, I'm going back. God's not done. I got in that car and I drove the six hours back, pulled into the front of that church and sat there and wondered, God, did I just do the right thing? Did I just do the right thing? I didn't want to get out of the car. Part of me was like, I'm going to try and go home. I don't, I don't have to come back here. I've, you know, I've been here this long. Why, why come back? I got out of the car. I walked in the front door. And God is so merciful. He always is to me. Mm-hmm. One of my teen challenge sisters comes around the corner. And I literally fell into her arms sobbing. Because now it all converged sure. everything the worst thing that could happen and I was willing to work through that too we'll work through it God's not I mean he can do it I know what he did in me he can do anything in this relationship he can heal it all I know hence the question I'm about to take the lid off are you ready yeah amazing yeah. he prepared me yeah I remember sitting there stunned talking to my counselor going I, I don't know how this happened how could this happen to me I was so sure, I was so sure I, I didn't see this thing coming. I fought for it still. I stayed. I completed the program. They actually released me a, a month early. I had accusations, more stuff with DFC coming at me, and I realized it was getting ugly. Uh, while I was gone, he decided to pack up my home. There was pods that were dropped off in my driveway. He was going to pack up and rent the house out from underneath me. Funny thing is on that, God told me one month, and I had two months to go, and I figured, okay, they're going to add a month because I stayed extra. It is a program. You can't just have freeway, you know. And I did reactivate my cell phone for the drive back because I was on the phone with lawyers and counselors multitasking. 
No, it was a month he let me go early. I completed early. I had met all their requirements. And the day that I was leaving home, or leaving there to come home, two pods were in my driveway to pack up my stuff. He was going to have my house boxed. And God made it so I showed up before that could happen. Mm-hmm. And I was in that house for three years. The divorce was civil for the most part. We have joint custody. The kids are adapting. But my encouragement would be, let God lead. Because I thought I had all the answers. I really did. I wanted this particular ending to a story. And I wasn't about to let it go until I had that ending. And God kept trying to pry it from my fingers, but I wouldn't let it go. And then finally, I just released it because I realized, you know what? Where I am and where he is, we're not on any even playing field anymore. Not that we couldn't be, because I know where God can take a person to and how quickly it can happen, oh, sure. provided on surrender. But I remember giving it all to him, just giving it all. I took all the pictures that we had, he and I, the, the wedding pictures, the, the thing that I wore when I got married. It wasn't a wedding gown. It was just something appropriate to wear. And I burned them. And it wasn't in anger, and it wasn't in hate. It was like a sacrifice. Lord, here, here are all the memories, the cards, everything. Here, I give this to you because I know if you bring it back, it can never be based on what it was. It would have to be completely new. I commend you because you are burning the semblance of your, of your past, of your pain, of your hurt. But and my question thought uh, thought came was, you know, you were talking about your kids in house, but what kind of mom do they have now? That's the amazing part. <laughs> my kids have a mother that does not take for granted being a mother. Something I had done. One more child to take care of, one more dish to do, more laundry, everything piling up. I find myself pouring love into my children like I never could before. They know Jesus. Three of my five have been born again. They have a connection with God. They know that their mother loves to worship, and I do. I love to worship God. And that all came from such brokenness. Because I had I not been broken, I wouldn't be who I am now. If I hadn't gone through each and every one of those things, God even used my broken marriage the things that Satan meant to condemn me with, God God was just lifting me up with all of it. Mm-hmm. He was going to bring me to a level and a place I could never imagine, nor could I ever get to without the brokenness. I like took what it you all. said, that he had to pry that out of your hands. He did. Mm-hmm. It was Mike a wrestling match. all the time. You know, we've had that conversation with God that I'm going to give you this, 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 and this, but I'll, I'll take care of this. Mm-hmm. I got this. Mm-hmm. And finally he says, all right, you got that. And then he just squeezes you. Till he gets it all. Right. And what it was was fear. Fear mm-hmm. to relinquish it because I felt, well, what, it, what, what if you... Control. Right. And Losing failure. that. Nobody wants to epically fail. You but know, I didn't want to be told it marriage. wasn't coming back right. either. Like I was going to lose this for good. Sure. And that was my fear. So in my mind, I was holding on to it, wrestling God for it, and he won. <laughs> he always does. I know. But I can tell you, the journey... I have met more people 
I mean, God has placed them in waves in my life and then me in other people's lives as they come. I'll meet somebody that's just starting off in a divorce or had an affair or there's there's something and they need encouragement and God just brings those people and you know when when you meet another believer they're not just an, a fellow believer they become your brother your sister and your family just expanded I'd like to ask do you know what your spiritual gift is I don't I don't know for sure yet okay. I know I have a lot of compassion um, I can weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh I know that encouragement encouragement is exhortation yep that's why I ask because it sounds like it but absolutely yeah yep I well I did do a class at uh, mosaic and I have a, the gift of mercy when we did the little charts and came out the gift right. of mercy mm-hmm. which was surprising to some <laughs> I don't know why that may be insulting I don't know why they thought that <laughs> <laughs> um, anything's possible when you're just totally clean but it is. It does fall. say in the Bible that uh, you that you you should be equally yoked with your mate. And what I've seen over the past seven years, um, even the slightest difference, even both Christians, and one is here, up here, and right. one is down, halfway down, exactly. there is still going to be a between each other. It's got to be equally yoked. And I've been praying for that for seven years now. Mm-hmm. Equally yoked. Right. I have too. I've. I also want to make this point because I, I used to beat myself up so much about this, and sometimes I still do. I'm not, you know. I think sometimes our perception of ourselves as Christians is skewed. Sometimes I think that we believe we have to have it all together, that we're going to walk it flawless. Well, see, now I have Jesus, so I don't make any mistakes. And I feel like I've made more mistakes, hit more walls, stumbled around blindly, going, wow, I, I know that I'm supposed to do this, and yet I still do this. But it, Christianity doesn't mean I'm perfect. No. It just means I get back up. Some people think that, though. Right, and that is wrong. It's it really is. wrong. It is. Well, Paul said that before we did. He did. Paul, you know, the, the, Paul Why do the I Bible, do the things you, I don't want to do? And right. Right, Romans 7. It's, it, and that's why know, we're covered in grace. coming from Paul. That, nice. You know, you would think, a, a Christian would think Paul is probably one of the strongest and and most devout Christians and so on and met God and and he wrote the words in Romans 7 I, don't, right. I do what I don't want to do and I can't do, stop it and I do and I don't do and it's mm-hmm. just it's powerful and it I can is. tell you each year I grow stronger and my kids see it and they, they see the balance and they know their mama prays for them every night my son comes out to me and says mom and he will hound me incessantly pray for me mom I want you to pray for me there are times when you know you feel it things are going on and it's just like I'll say that's it we're praying and we stop and we pray and then things come back into order because I've learned to take that authority (laughs) and God has really given me the grace to be that spiritual leader something I didn't ever think I could do you know four years ago I I, I was falling apart now you can't you have him exactly and you know during my walk you know i was i believed you know i I put two wives on a pedestal and i did i I lived for them pretty much and 
and I always thought they were my best friends and, and, and so on. And then I started to walk with, with God, and, and then I said, now how can I call her when she comes my best friend? Because Jesus is my best friend. And what I, what I saw, what I read in a, in a book that was given to me, that when the husband puts God first, and then the husband herself puts God first, everything secondary comes into place. And that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand that concept at all. Mm-hmm. My priorities had always been skewed. And, and same with my husband at the time. You know, I'm praying that it eventually we'll be able to be friends, you know, where oh, yeah. it's friendly. I mean, sure. we're, we're getting to that place, yeah. and that's my oh, heart's good. desire. Right. I, I don't want tension. I don't, because you know what? The kids don't deserve any more brokenness. They don't. they don't. I love my children more than life itself, mm-hmm. and there's nothing I would not do for them. Amen. In fact, I did, and I hope they look back and see how much I did love them by going to Teen Challenge and, and by doing that, the sacrifice. That oh, they will. They will. Oh, my gosh, yes. They I mean, I know it's young now. That. My oldest daughter, I'm completely estranged from right now because I left. I haven't. I know. And God promised me he was going to heal it. And I I'm have my youngest daughter, the same thing. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of going through that with my oldest son as well. But It'll happen. It, right. it will. God promises that oh, he will yeah. restore. Absolutely. You know, Jessica, I just... I'm so touched by this. I, 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 we, we typically don't close the show with prayer, but I just feel led to ask you if you would, oh, um, sure. especially just pray for our listeners out there. Right. I just feel a, a presence right now, just an anointing on the program I can't describe Absolutely. in this room. So if you just pray for the listeners and we'll we'll close it up. And thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Story. Thank it's, you. It's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to getting the feedback and and just sharing it with you. And would you be willing to answer questions? Absolutely. Some of the listeners had questions about. I would uh, even meet with them if they wanted to. Sure, there may be some listeners. I mean, there'll be people downloading this all over the world. So um, we have a blog set up and whatnot. So there there may be some questions that may come in, and I'll just get those to you. I would absolutely be more than happy to, because I know what God did for me. Amen. And He can do for anybody. Amen. All right, give us that prayer okay. for those women and anybody else that needs to hear this. Dear Father God, I just praise you and I thank you for this opportunity to come and share my testimony, Father. Lord, I thank you from, for taking just the broken pieces in me and making them whole, for giving me beauty from those ashes. Father, I know that there are many, many people out there, men, women, children, teenagers. They're hurting, Father. They're broken. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. Father, I pray that they hit their knees and they cry out to you, just as I did, Father God. You promise that you're there. You're close to the brokenhearted. She stumbles to the tears Jesus, your hand can touch and heal so many wounded, broken souls. All they have to do is cry Some out to you. In anger, heard folks whisper, Father, I ask for your mercy. No 
and your grace. Anyone struggling right now, I lift them up to you. There's been so much death, destruction, turmoil. But Father, you promised to be there in those times. You never promised a life without storms and turmoil. But Father God, you have promised to walk us through them. You will boldly walk us through them, Father God. We don't have to fight these battles. You fight them for us. The victory is already won. We just need to trust you in it. Father, I thank you for all that you're doing. Continue to pour your love out on your children. You know where each and every one of them are at all times. Continue to put people in their paths, Father God, that will speak truth, encourage them towards you. I pray, Father, that whoever doesn't know Jesus, that they will come to know him. Not only as Savior, but as Lord and best friend. I thank you for the opportunity to be here with Mike and Fritz. It's truly a blessing to me. And Father God, anytime I pray, I always lift up my children. I ask that you continue to cover them, Father God. Protect their minds, their hearts, their souls, their spirits, and their bodies. Keep their keep your angels surrounding them, protecting, guiding. I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you again, Jessica. You're welcome. This show will be posted on uh, GodStoriesRadio.com uh, tomorrow, so check us out, www.GodStoriesRadio.com. Please uh, feel free to hit the blog. Email us at GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. Uh, friend us on Facebook and Twitter at GodStoriesRadio. We're also on Stitcher Radio now, and iTunes has picked us up. So uh, we're out there. There's a lot of different venues and avenues you can you can pick us up on. But the biggest thing is we want to hear from you. So uh, if these shows are touching your life, We've got no other agenda. Right. Encourage us. Encourage us as well and let us know, hey, that show is amazing. And if you have any questions, if there's any ladies out there that have any questions for Jessica, just send us an email to GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com, and we'll make sure she um, gets your information and whatnot and gets back to you. Um, Our friends uh, Mike and Mark at Salmon Porch Radio. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody of our listeners know out there, but Mark... Uh, Mike lost his mother three weeks ago, and Mark just got back from his mother's place uh, up north a little bit, and um, as he had told us that uh, uh, it's going to be any time now. So any of you listeners out there and uh, follow Solomon's Porch Radio, or uh, we just uh, ask that you uh, come with us into prayer for uh, Mark and his family and Mike as well. Right, and if you get a chance to listen to that last podcast that Mike and Mark did last week, uh, amazing. It's touching. Well, that wraps it up for God Stories Radio, Session 10. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And God bless. God bless.